Miss Celeste and this is Cathod's new podcast. Welcome to the first episode of our brand new podcast series where I'll be talking with wonderful people from around the world from dedicated local experts to the inspirational community members that your donations help to support and of course all the lovely interesting people involved in Cathod's work. On this episode I'll be chatting with Bernard Balibuna. Bernard is our country director in the Democratic Republic of Congo. Stick around to find out about the conflict in the DRC, the significance of Pope Francis' visit to the country and the impact of climate change on the work there. Let's start the show. everyone and welcome to the CAFOD podcast. I'm your host Celeste Ianbo and we have a very special guest with us today. Please give a warm welcome to Bernard Balibuno, the country director of CAFOD in the Democratic Republic of Congo. Bernard, it's a pleasure to have you with us today. It's a pleasure to be invited to this podcast. Thank you so much. So I've described you as the country director um, of CAFOD in the DRC. Could you just tell us a little bit about what that means? What does that role involve? Yeah, CAFOD uh, have been working in uh, the Democratic Republic of Congo since 1995. Uh, We have two offices, one office being in Kinshasa and one office in Goma. Uh, In Goma, we have around 18 staff and in Kinshasa, we have four staff. So I'm based in Kinshasa and I travel time to time to to Goma and I always go to the field to check on what we are doing. So our work basically involves following up on uh, the activity that we are doing. As you know, we've been responding to a lot of emergencies here in the country. Uh, We've been working on governance issue. And we also have been working on livelihood issue to try and support those who are very vulnerable. We also work in a very hard to reach areas. So my job involves basically uh, supporting the staff, uh, making sure the office is uh, up running, making sure our finance is well managed and we account for those finance to our donors uh, in England and Wales and elsewhere. We also uh, follow up with uh, institutional donor to make sure we have enough funding to keep our work going. And of course, relationship with government uh, is my responsibility and uh, relationship with church uh, leaders uh, in the country as well. Wow, that's quite a lot there, definitely, that you are sort of working with. So... How about this week? How has your week been so far? You mentioned some of the different sort of uh, areas of work that you are working on, but what are some of the projects or challenges that you've been involved in this week, for example? Yeah, this week, we have been working on two major projects. That would be one would be submitted to uh, the FCDO uh, and one will be submitted to the Norwegian government. Of course, uh, We've had a lot of displaced people here in North Kiev recently, and we are very concerned. And we've been trying to write proposal to uh, get funding to support uh, those they are sleeping in very difficult conditions. Some of them in the open. Uh, many of them are uh, the women and children uh, are lacking food, and this has been of concern to us. Even water is a big issue, so we've been writing those proposals and finalizing those, collecting information to put in those proposals. Mm-hmm. We also have the visit of two uh, uh, media team 
people here in the country, they're here to collect some of our success stories. Is that so the Carford Media team? Yes, Carford HQ Media team. So we've been making sure they are, they, they, they are getting the information they need, uh, uh, accompanying them to the area they need to, uh, to visit. Oh, wow. That's really interesting. So would you say that is every week quite different? So it can, you can expect something different to be happening um, every week in your role? Yes, every week is very, very different. Mm. Some weeks we celebrate uh, uh, the work we've been doing. We see success, uh, maybe a family, maybe a community, maybe an individual. Uh, and we celebrate what we've been doing. Some other weeks are very, very challenging where we see everything we've done for a year kind of fall apart. Uh, people who've been, let's say, displaced for a year, they are re-displaced again. And that makes us a little bit nervous and uh, uh, it keeps our, our job very, very difficult. Uh, we need all the time to follow. We work in a security, in an insecure areas, follow where our people are, where our partners are, where our staff are. So every week is totally, totally different. Uh, that's what makes this job challenging, at the same time, uh, very fun uh, in terms of uh, 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 enjoyment and fulfillment. Wow. Well, it is good to have, you know, to be able to say that it's, every week is different, but we all kind of work together. And, and it's actually when you see the fruits of everything working out, then, you know, it means it's like a job well done. But I also wanted to ask you, um, you know, when you're not tirelessly working with your team to make such a difference with all the challenges that are facing you, on a lighter note, do you have any hobbies or activities that you enjoy in your free time? Yes, uh, I like watching local football, kind of detecting talents. Uh, okay, have you got a favourite? Yeah. What's, what's the local team that you like? It's called Mazembe. I love the team here. It's based in Lubumbashi. Uh, that's my favorite. Uh, so I like to watch the local games uh, in country and sometimes African uh, championship and just detect young people and see how they are, they, they are playing. But uh, I also like light music, kind of to cool myself down. And I have a child who's handicapped. So I like spending time with my son, uh, Felix, just to, uh, he's always home. I take him around. Um, he doesn't talk, so if he talks the language I understand me and the family, so talk in that language we understand, yeah. nobody else understands, mm. so those are the things I spend my time on and I enjoy that and um, I was just also wondering, maybe our listeners are curious as well, what is the sort of, the, the outdoors like, so do you like to go for walks, are there wonderful sort of parks or um hills mountains that sort of thing um near where you're based yeah when i'm in uh, in goma here i always like to visit uh, the hills uh, uh by the by, by the volcano always like to go uh, around the lake kivu we are by the lake here uh, it's very very nice not hot not uh, not cold uh, and just to go around and see the nature. When I'm in Kinshasa, yes, I'm not far from the Congo River. Uh, when walking, I like to go around the Congo River. So Kinshasa is not a very clean city, so you need to pick where you go and where uh, you won't go. But yes, I like the outdoors. Uh, and wherever I have a chance, I do go to areas where I can see the outdoors. 
Uh, my job involves being in the field a lot. So uh, that's being in the field a lot means I'm in the outdoor already, mm-hmm. uh, meaning I go and see uh, um, um, people where they are, offices where they are. I travel a lot in vehicles, in 4 by 4 vehicles, sometimes on motorbikes in area where it's very difficult to reach. Uh, and that allows me already to be in the outdoor. So um, that's basically part of my life here. yeah and you enjoy it do you being out being in the outdoors not being sort of in an office all the time yeah, the office you don't see much the office is more reporting uh, and uh, proposal writing but mm. the work is really done when you you, you go out and see uh, what uh, our staff and ourselves are doing um so Recently, Pope Francis visited uh, the DRC and brought significant attention to the country and its struggles. Just wondering from your perspective, what were your thoughts on the Pope's visit and its significance for the people of the DRC? Uh, I was very privileged to be uh, involved in that, uh, in that visit. We work very closely with the Bishops' Conference here. So before the visit, we, uh, we've been into a lot of uh, meetings in terms of preparation and so. Uh, you also need to remember that this country has been in war for many, many years. We've lost over 10 million people in this country. Uh, we have over 6 million people displaced, and those have been displaced over and over again. Infrastructures in this country have been destroyed. Uh, many people have lost hope. Young people uh, especially have lost hope. Um, you also need to remember that this country is a Christian country. Over 90% of this country are Christian. Among that 90%, over uh, 50% are Catholic, uh, Roman Catholic. And the Catholic Church is all over this country, uh, basically uh, have replaced all the social uh, infrastructure that have been there. So every corner where you go, there is it's very hard to reach. There is a priest who have been there. Every difficulty that happened in this country, uh, the church have responded one way or another. The church runs a lot of uh, schools, hospitals, and so on. Uh, so the arrival of Pope was more to bring back that hope that people have lost. It was not the visit of the Catholic Church that I, what I keep saying. It was the f- visit of all the Christians, the whole community. In fact, one of the meetings I went to, a beautiful meeting, uh, you could see in front all the, the Muslims, you could see the, the Anglicans, you could see all the other denominations sitting there and basically asking questions and listening to the Pope. So it was a meeting, uh, his visit brought uh, basically hope to the country. Some of the comments uh, uh, the Pope made uh, kind of went really deep into uh, what uh, people in this country have been uh, uh, praying for, that people, uh, uh, outsiders will be uh, advocating for, uh, uh, for them. Pope said they should, people should remove their hands on, uh, on DRC mineral. People have been using DRC as a um, uh, because of their own interest, basically. And this resonates to many people in this country who think, many of us, uh, believe that the conflict in this country has been overlooked by many uh, outside. The uh, uh, conflict in this country has been uh, uh, neglected. And some of the multinational are part of the conflict or they fell uh, 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 this conflict. And Popo was very tough. Uh, uh, on that, and we uh, that brought a lot of hope, and we think that message continues up to today, and many people uh, uh, will be thinking of uh, 
of DRC. I was uh, recently in one of the meetings that we have here of young people uh, of Goma. Many of them were asking, uh, um, are we less important than all the people who are dying in other countries? Uh, we were discussing with them about the issue in Af- in um, in uh, uh, Russia and uh, and mm. Ukraine. Yeah. And uh, they were saying, I mean, we, we've lost more than 10 million people over these years. Uh, mm. We don't see the same attention that we are seeing uh, uh, the world have to all other, uh, uh, other areas of the country. Those are tough questions that we have difficulties answering in this, uh, uh, in this country. And we hope that the Pope visit kind of brought that alive to many people. Now you're asking me the question about, uh, about DRC. It's because of that visit that many people have been asking us questions about that visit. Well, I mean, I think it's amazing because you're totally right. I mean, sometimes it can feel like the attention can be focused on other countries and other people. And it, and it's be horrible if, you know, the young people in, you know, in DRC are thinking, does nobody care about us? Is no one interested in what we're going through? So I think, as you were saying, to have a visit from the Pope and that kind of through the spotlight on the DRC and on, on what's happening. And, and, and I hope the young people, you know, felt inspired and felt that, you know the world hasn't forgotten them and the the catholic community it definitely hasn't forgotten them um and keep them in in their thoughts and in their hearts so you know we've we've spoke about the different challenges in the drc and and there are multiple challenges i'd just like to talk then a little bit about how cathod's work has impacted um and the CAFOD initiatives that we have undertaken to address the different issues. Maybe if you could just tell us a few of the, the most significant challenges and, and how CAFOD has responded. I mean, the, the country have a lot of, uh, of challenges. Um, uh, the, the, the government have had issues of, uh, of, of corruption. Um, uh, governance uh, uh, issues have been... Um, uh, uh, highlighted all over. We've had uh, uh, issues of security sector reform that have not uh, really followed. Um, uh, and the church being a powerful, uh, powerful in, uh, in DRC, we've worked with all the religious groups. So we as CAFOD, we've had an initiative that we call the Faith Groups, that we've worked with a lot of uh, uh, church initiatives to advocate both in DRC and outside of DRC to ensure that uh, um, there is improvement in uh, in the governance. We have one project now uh, called Tufaulu Pamoja, that means succeeding together, uh, where we are helping uh, women uh, and young uh, young people get uh, to the uh, position of power and lead because the young people have been demanding, uh, women have been demanding, saying you know, they've been failure uh, uh, in, in leadership, a lot of corruption in leadership. And we've been success, successful, we've had some success in that, uh, that project. We work with a, a group called Rien Sans Les Femmes, nothing without women. So they've been very powerful ah. women that are fighting for their, their, their right. Mm. Uh, the young people, we're working with a group of young people called the EGCC Plus 7. So it's a platform of many young people who have come together and said, let's go, let's run for offices and see if we can also uh, uh, um, uh, get position and change things because things have stayed as it is for uh, for a long time. And one of the big success now, we have a, a young girl who's a mayor of one of the cities in Kinshasa, uh, she's 26 years old. 26? I mean, you, and she's a mayor? Uh, yeah, for, 
Yeah, for you in uh, in the West, probably that doesn't mean anything. But for us here, it's first in in history, and we feel like uh, uh, if we continue, if this uh, this move will go far. We've had a lot of uh, young people run for offices; they have not won because running here means I mean money follows. You need to have money. You need to yeah. have. Uh, uh, resources. The young people don't have that resources, but we are very successful and happy because they are really getting very close, although mm-hmm. they're not getting there. So we hope a couple of years to come, uh, many of them will go, will, 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 uh, will win the election. Now we are coming to the election period this coming December. We see a lot of young people who are coming uh, uh, for that. That's just one of the success, but we have multiple of them. We've re- we respond all the time to emergency here uh, from funding from all over, from CAFOD. Uh, that means from our supporters in England and Wales and elsewhere. Uh, we, are, we are responding to many, many emergencies through cash. Uh, we're providing water to those who are uh, suffering. Uh, we have a lot of livelihood projects where uh, we have projects we call Silk, a project where basically is like a, a, a group saving and a group lending uh, where uh, women uh, get money from uh, f- from the group. Uh, and, and we have we've had many successes in that area where I just visited recently with the the media crew uh, uh, a lady who have been doing chicken and uh, she's doing mushroom. Uh, she's learned how to do mushroom and now she's, she's growing them nine. herself. Growing them, she learned how to grow it oh. from our program, and she's uh, taking nine children to school. Nine wow. children into school, and her husband lost her job sometimes. So it's it's really amazing when we hear those stories. Um, before when I was early in my age and early in this uh, in this position, I used to cry all the time. Now I don't cry anymore. I mm. I, I take it positive and put it into uh, some case studies that we sent to our our supporters. So we have success every day. We have a project uh, where we work with a protection project where we work with women victim of sexual violence, uh, women who've been uh, violated. Uh, we reintegrating them into society, giving them uh, 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 income generating activities. Some of them are making soap. Some of them are selling in uh, on or selling in the market. Uh, some of them are involved in some kind of training uh, on sewing or so right. uh, to make sure they go back into the market. Um, we also have a project with uh, children who've been victims of, uh, who've been in armed force, who have come rebel groups or so. Oh, uh, yes. We are reintegrating them with a lot of training carpentry, electricity, uh, welding, uh, sewing. We have a lot of projects with uh, many of our partners. Uh, I just came from South Kivu where I visited one of the nice projects. I, I, I like it because we are removing children into the mining. Um, small children are going into the mining, leaving school because of life is difficult. Yes. Uh, and this particular project from Santro Lame is removing these children from uh, the mining and putting back them back into school now that is not enough because when you put that them back into school it doesn't change anything in in their daily life but the project is also supporting their family their uh, women their mothers especially to give them some businesses and if they're farmers give them seed and support them into their farming activities so that they can continue and uh, supporting the child or the children who are out of that mining area now 
Again, saying uh, children into the mining area probably doesn't mean much if you don't understand the context. A young girl out of the mining area is a big success for us because this, she's, uh, she's into a lot of risks in terms of rape, in terms of um, uh, uh, being abused, in terms mm. of uh, uh, danger, in terms they go into uh, the land the way they can, uh, the land can fall on hand. She dies, she's really working uh, hard, it's not the level of her age, yes. uh, it's really ho- horrible, and the child loses the, the human side of, uh, of, of, of herself and uh, can smoke, can do anything in that uh, environment, it's not a good right. environment for children to be in. And what? So what is the sort of typical age of children that are in the mines, like how, or what is the youngest age that you've heard of or seen of a child in the mine yeah it's difficult when you go in uh, uh you see children around six seven eight up to wow. any age yes you see uh, uh all kinds some of them are potters just carrying sand some of them are, are are working for their relatives or for some people who are there some of them are selling but again selling uh uh, uh, fry uh, bread or, or, or sugar cane. Yeah. Again, it's not an environment uh, for children no, to be not in. at all. It's, not at all. It's really a bad environment for, for children to be in. So that, and we're also advocating to the government, of course, to say they should reinforce uh, the law to make sure children are not into that uh, that, that kind of uh, of environment. Uh, in terms of success, we can go on and on. We've had uh, mm. a, a lot of successes and a lot of challenges, of course, uh, in our program for the many years that I've been here. That's mu- that must be what keeps you and the team going when you have these successes, because telling us about you know these children in the mines. The women who've escaped, you know, sexual violence, trying to get integrate back into the community. These are just such wonderful, positive sort of stories, you know, after all the work to try to to reach them, because it can't be easy to try to reach out to people and try to gain their trust and everything. Um, I was wondering also, because you did touch on our partner network. So uh, which other partners do do we work with? Uh, we work. We have a lot of partners. We have, currently we have twelve. Uh, um, we, the partners we we have, we work with uh, uh, mostly uh, caritas so church uh, partners. We also have partners from the civil society, and as I said, we have network. We also have universities we work with. We try to evidence what we do to make sure uh, um, uh, we can adapt and we can also improve uh, uh, the work we are doing uh, all the time. So we work in uh, three provinces. The DRC have uh, uh, 26 provinces. We can't cover all. It's a big country with close to 100 million people. I mean, the numbers vary. Some people say 8 million some people say 100 million, but it's a huge country anyway. Uh, for me, all the time to travel from Kinshasa to here is by airplane, it's two and a half hours. Uh, you can see uh, at least the, 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 the size. And uh, that uh, uh, those partners, they're mostly in 
the eastern part of the country, Solovki, Wusowski, and Maniema. We also have some program that we call the national program that are managed by the Bishops' Conference in Kinshasa, the Justice and Peace Commission, and the National Caritas that covers more broader, but we try to concentrate ourselves uh, in the east. We will be having a one project coming up in Ituri, is also still in the eastern part of the country, and those are the most affected areas uh, in terms of displacement. Yes, there are problems in the whole country. In the central part of the country, we have malnutrition that is very deep, uh, and now in the part of Kwamutu area, we have a, a lot of trouble as well that is starting, but again, the, DR, the eastern part have been more uh, uh, victims for many, many years. So Bernard, let's just shift gears a little bit. Um, let's discuss the impact of climate change. How is climate change exasperating the challenges faced by the vulnerable communities in DRC? Yes, um, uh, many people here uh, rely on farming, uh, and our farming is really um, a home farming, basically, where we rely on rainfall. Uh, and with the climate, what we've seen recently is that uh, the pattern of rain has changed uh, drastically. Uh, either you have um, very heavy rain or none at all. So basically, many people have been losing their crop, and that have created famine. A, a lot in uh, uh, in the country. People used to know that so and so month we need to plant so and so crop. That's no longer uh, uh, the case. Now the rain can come anytime or the rain can stop uh, uh, anytime. We believe that uh, a result of this uh, climate change also uh, we've seen uh, uh, lakes and rivers uh, uh, either they dry up or they uh, really become very full and they create uh, a, a lot of uh, flooding uh, uh, in many areas. I just came from Uvira a couple of months ago, uh, mm-hmm. south of South Kivu, and the Tanganyika Lake have been rising up, and the rivers that are close to Tanganyika Lake have been basically wiping up all the the, the, the crops that are around the, the, the river, in fact, causing many issues with the communities or the villages that are there, uh, displacing people as well. Uh, erosion, we've seen a lot of uh, areas where there is erosion, uh, basically, we are seeing this uh, 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 daily, how uh, the climate change is changing. And here we are very afraid because uh, the DRC have the second biggest forest in the world um, after the Amazon. Uh, and what we are seeing without, uh, with this war that has been going on and uh, uh, the government not, not taking things seriously, uh, in fact, selling part of the, the, the forest to foreign countries. We've seen a lot of Chinese coming here to buy land, not only Chinese, but other foreign countries as well, or business people as well. We think this will have a lot of consequences, not only for DRC, but for all the country that relies on this uh, uh, forest that's uh, here in DRC. In our parks, we have a lot of uh, national parks here, but those national parks have been the homes for all this rebel movement. Just close to where I am here, there is a beautiful park called the Virunga Park. Uh, Nobody can even visit that park. Animals are being killed and so on. So we think like this will change the whole ecosystem. uh, uh, Things will continue to change in a negative way. And uh, this will have consequences, not only for us here in DRC, but will have consequences uh, 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 regionally and probably the whole world. 
This is something I will definitely ask our listeners and whoever is interested to either advocate for or really fight for this because it's a big concern that we have. I'm not a specialist in environment, but just what I'm seeing in my lifetime already can tell me that uh, uh, we are going. Our, we, are, we are not leaving uh, our children uh, in a good uh, in a good hands. I mean, I think it might surprise people even who didn't know. You know that it's this that you have the second largest forest after the Amazon. Like, I didn't know that. And it is really sad to hear, you know, that it's the deforestation and everything that's happen- happening there. And as you were saying, I mean, is is there a message, Bernard, that you'd like to say to our audience in the UK? We've uh, We've seen a lot of suffering in this country. And as always, I always ask for their thoughts and their prayer. Uh, to put the agenda of DRC uh, on top as uh, other agendas. Again, we are talking of people dying in this country for many years, over 10 million. Uh, if we, we 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 try and put that into countries, we're really wiping up some countries in terms of, uh, of that. Now the famine in this country, displacement in this country, uh, various conflicts that are fueled by foreign countries, conflicts that are fueled by uh, rebel groups that are supported by by, by by business people, I think uh, uh, we should be, uh, we'll ask for thoughts and prayers uh, from those who are uh, outside. It's, it's very uh, sad to see the country that have, is very rich in mineral, very, very rich uh, uh, in mineral, and people are, are suffering. Uh, if you go to all index or all numbers, you'll see DRC is either the last or close to the last or and so on. So, I mean, the prayers will be very important. Other than prayer, I think any support uh, uh, to, uh, to CAFOD and other uh, organizations that are reaching out uh, will be very important. Any support uh, that uh, people can, uh, can, can come up with, either is advocacy, either is financial, uh, financial support, or either is uh, uh, anything that uh, the young people can be creative on uh, and talk about DRC. I think that will be my, uh, my, my request. So we have had a question come in from Dom on Instagram. Hey, Dom. So we'd love to hear from everyone listening. Let us know who you'd like to see in future podcasts and any questions you'd like to ask them. So Bernard, Dom's question to you is, what are the greatest challenges to development in DRC? Uh, Well, that's a good question. Uh, the greatest challenge, of course, is governance. Um, if we have uh, uh, good people in the government, uh, people who can, uh, who have the, the the heart and the love of their own people, uh, I think uh, they can work on policies uh, that will help. And of course, uh, corruption have been deep uh, here, and corruption have uh, have meant as well uh, uh, selling the country for cheap basically selling everything in the country for uh, for cheap and closing the eyes to the suffering of people. As I said, again, the country is extremely rich in terms of mineral uh, and the country should not uh, uh, suffer the way uh, people uh, suffer here. 
governance will be uh, number one uh, uh, for that because if the governance is is good, then uh, uh, infrastructure will follow, then uh, agriculture will follow, good education will follow, and everything else. Other than that, uh, uh, we have a lot of rebel groups. This country has more than 200 rebel groups uh, roving around uh, 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 the country. So the rebel group, if you look at the map, of where there is gold, mineral, diamond, and all those kind of things, you'll see that where all those rebel groups are. So they are really not fighting for anything other than mineral. So it's an economic war uh, that they are in. So uh, anyhow of finishing that uh, uh, those rebel movement in the country, I think uh, we leave people free to do their farming, to do their business, to go up to their regular work, and uh, that will uh, kind of push the, 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 the development uh, uh, upward. Thank you, Bernard. And thank you for just sharing with us today and, and really kind of painting the picture of the challenges, but also the amazing successes that have been able to come through working with CAFOD and our partners. Um, just wanted to also, you know, say, it's been an honor to have this conversation. Um, and if you had like one hope for the future of DRC, I know you've touched on, you know, having the peacefulness if when the rebels, you know, can, can stand down. But if you had just one hope for the future of DRC, what would that be? Uh, they, uh, of looking at the history uh, of other countries that have struggled, I think we've seen uh, uh, one charismatic leader emerge uh, from Norway most of the time and, and basically change things. So my, my, my hope will be that DRC will also have a, a charismatic young person who will emerge somewhere and uh, and basically say no and change everything uh, in this country. We can go to history, look at South Africa, look at China, maybe not good, not good or bad example. Uh, many other countries in Africa, Burkina Faso, and so on and so forth, uh, people who can really stand up and, uh, and and change this. That would be my hope, and I hope this will happen in my lifetime because I'm. Uh, uh, since I was born, this country has been in problems. I've never seen peace. The definition of peace, I've learned it in school. I've never, learned, I've never seen it. Uh, it's peace today, not peace tomorrow. Peace today, not peace tomorrow. Uh, not in a sense, because that's where li how life have, uh, uh, was made. But here is, is really to the extreme where you hear uh, 200 people died yesterday. We, we just look at it as, as news for us. Uh, we, we've lost that uh, a sense of, uh, of, of humanity to say, this is really serious. Let's take it serious. Because sometimes we lack means, we lack the force, uh, we lack the power, and so on. The news, uh, the information we hear every day uh, uh, of people we meet on the street is... Uh, Two years, I have not been paid my salary. Uh, a meager salary where somebody who is paid 10 pounds a, a month but never been paid for, 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 for a year. So the stories uh, are always said, said, said things you are hearing yeah. at the point that we lack power. Mm. Again, as I said, the good news is that uh, we don't close our hands. Uh, we thank our supporters. We thank all those who are 
supporting CAFOD because uh, with the mean that they're providing to us, we are able to change at least one uh, part of the, the, the country, one community at a time, one school at a time, put water in one community. Uh, ten women are, are doing business because of our project. Uh, the Catholic Church is uh, advocating for one activities at least couple of years ago, uh, four, five years ago, we, we had election in this country. If it was not the Catholic Church, we could not have election because the president who was there wanted to stay probably alive uh, for, for life. But uh, the church pushed, pushed. They even lost the priest. They lost nuns. Really? Uh, they were gunshot in churches. Uh, uh, but finally, we got the cause and the election was uh, uh, happened. Uh, as uh, we speak, I think... Uh, in a, in a month or so, you will see some of our priests and bishops come to London. They're coming to advocate for issues in London. They'll be going to Brussels and in New York. So they're really not sleeping, fighting for, for, for the betterness of, uh, of the people of this country. I think we can't close our hands uh, and we will ask our supporters as well to, uh, to keep up and keep supporting us. Thank you so much, Bernard, for joining us today and sharing your valuable insights. It, it really has been an amazing conversation. Thanks, Celeste. It's a play, it was a pleasure for me as well to be part of this uh, program. And that brings us to the end of this enlightening episode of the CAFOD podcast. We hope you enjoyed our conversation with Bernard Balibuno, the country director in DRC. Stay tuned for more inspiring stories and updates from CAFOD. We love to hear who you would like to hear from next. Any names? Until next time, take care and goodbye.